Okay, we always talk about the Raman has Allah Sefer. In this parak specifically, we have to talk about how the Raman understood the world. Now, uh, uh, it's in place to give a little bit of a hakdam. And that is that, if we're going to see what the Raman says over here, is the Raman's understanding of how astronomy works. It's Bichal, not the way we understand it today. We'll explain what the Raman says, we'll explain how we understand it. It's Bichal, not the same thing. The question is, and this is a general question, and that is when we're talking about uh, Rishonim, who are explaining the way that the physical world runs. And based on our understanding today, thank you, we see it completely differently. Do we look at it as that, well, they were right and we were wrong, and even though we have maybe the tools to send out the spaceships and, and, and with measuring instruments to, to check it with, so, well, we just have to explain that somehow they were right and we wrong. Or do we say that, no, it could be that they were based, what they were saying was based on the knowledge they had at the time. And for sure, the knowledge of the physical world has increased much more now than it was then. And that's the case. Well, they were working on the, the knowledge available to them. But if we, now, if we now know more, so then we don't have to, we can assume it's not a it's not a terror topic, it's a... The, their understanding of the world topic, so to speak, and if that's the case. It could be that they were mistaken because they weren't they weren't uh, learning this from a uh, Gemara or from a Torah. They were learning it from what was considered to be the common knowledge at the time. We're talking about early scientists. Oh, right. And now, now we're so, talking about the Rambam. We're talking about Rishonim. Now, but shouldn't to, they have gotten that from the Torah? No, so I want to explain something. There are those who say about Chazal. There are those who say about Chazal, and Chazal in many places talk about the physical world. It does say about Chazal the same argument. And that is, Chazal were basing their knowledge on the, the physical knowledge available to the people at the time of the Romans, the time of the Persians, whatever it might have been. And in a lot of cases, the, 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 the knowledge of the non Jewish astronomers or physicists or doctors was very, very, very limited. And that's the case we don't blame Chazal. It does say they were just relying on the non-Jewish world for their source of physical information, which I spoke about. But if that's the case, if we now know that the non-Jewish world at the time held was completely wrong, so Chazal were mistaken in accepting that information, it's not like Ilo Sak. Now, when it comes to Chazal, it's also decided. When it comes to Chazal, it's also decided, because whatever Chazal said, they said, Baruch HaKadosh. And uh, there are proofs to this, that when Chazal's explanation of the physical world was something which was that no, no non-Jewish uh, physicists or scientists or anything else were, knew or had any way to know. And if that's the case, how did Chazal know? Because this was a Messiah. This was a Tarshavah that they were given. And this was like the Gemara says about it. This was Chachmaschum of Inaschum Ayamin. The Gemara says that the ability to work out the Mazaris and the Kufas was the Chachmah that the Jewish people had that the non Jewish world were impressed by and jealous of. Because they had no way to work out what we knew. Not because we had the tools to check it, but because this was a Messiah. Meaning the dates? And meaning the, the dates, months. meaning how long it takes in the moon to circle the sun, meaning exactly how long many chalakim there are in a year, and everything like that. Just what we're talking about in the Kuzari as well. Right. When it comes to things like that, Chazal knew exactly what they were talking about, and uh, no one else did. So we can't say that the Chazal knew exactly how many seconds it takes the, the moon to complete the revolution around the world. And at the same time, Chazal thought maybe the world is flat. This is ridiculous. If they were aware of uh, information, because this was the Messiah in Torah, so then what they're saying is right. And we have to try and explain Chazal, and the Vedas, and we can. 
But, but uh, that, that when it comes to Chazal, we don't assume Chazal didn't know what they were talking about or were relying on the non-Jewish scientists of the time. But that's Chazal. When it comes to Rishon... Well, aren't, aren't there Gemaras that say that they asked the non, non-Jewish... Uh, they argued with him. They didn't ask like because they didn't know? No. Those are the arguments about it. They didn't ask them. Okay. It's the other way around. The Gemaras is like an example. It's the Gemara Bukharis. And the Gemara says that the non-Jewish uh, zoologists came to us from Shobin Chadana. Do you know how long it takes for a snake uh, to give to, to lay an egg? And Rabbi uh, Shobin Chadana said seven years. And he said, how did you know that? So Rabbi Shobin showed him how he was back from the Pasuk. So he said, it took me seven years to work it out. And you worked it out in a few seconds. It's a Gemara. He said, what took me seven years to try to see what, how long it takes, you worked out in a minute, and that's just working out a Pasuk. But that's always the case. Chazal's knowledge wasn't from observation of trial and error. It was knowledge from Torah, or knowledge from Messiah. And if that's the case, so then they're not coming from what was available for the non-Jewish world at the time to understand or to see, or to, to, know, or to be able to work out. And this is the proof they always give for this. Chazal gave us early in the Gemara exactly how long the lunar month is. Amount of days, hours, halakim. Right? There was something which at the time no one else knew. Today, using telescopes and using atomic clocks that they can measure exactly how long the lunar month is, that's exactly what Hazal said with a differentiation of a, thousand, a few thousandths of a second. Now, it could be that you have to update the telescope, but I don't know. But I'm saying, you see, today when we, we, we do feel we can accurately work these things out, but actually we're coming back to what Hazal said originally. We aren't, they went off from the, what they... What, what, what they told us, which was the Messiah, Hashem told us to Moshe. So we aren't surprised by that. But therefore, to, to say that Chazal didn't understand how the world worked is ridiculous. But it only applies to Chazal. It doesn't apply to Rishonim. Even though we would like to say that Rishonim were also on that level, when it comes to the physical things, we can't always say that. They were Rishonim came after Chazal? The Rishonim came after Chazal. The Rishonim were a thousand years ago, eight hundred years ago, whatever it was, and then we, we find Rishonim saying things are terrible. And we find Rishonim saying things which were based on the superstitions of the non-Jewish world. There's nothing to say. It wasn't. It didn't come from Chazal. They, they explained, took him, whatever it is, based on what the information they knew. And sometimes it's wrong. Where we had the Ramam in Nida. Yeah. Where the, the, the Rechim is above the Oisimah. Right. And he shows you. Because he says, he tells you, I got it from the doctor. Right. In the Christian Mishnah, he says, he got it from whichever Egyptian doctor it was that he that who uh, was a surgeon and dissected him and worked on him and then gave him money. I mean, he's working with that person's model, which was wrong. But uh, the, the the point there is he didn't sound it from the Torah or Messiah. He's not doing it from the non-Jewish world. And therefore, when it comes to Rishonim, again, when it comes to Torah, we are, of course, there. Rishonim to Malachim. But when it comes to explaining the physical world, we see sometimes that they say things which they themselves are based on the, where they got it from in the non-Jewish knowledge at the time. We don't always say that Rishonim, everything Rishon says is Torah's emes, which we can't argue with. But Chazal, yes. When it comes to Rishonim, there are times where Rishonim says things which, which we know where they got it from. Because we know the books, that, that, that what was available to them, what they, where they learned it from. And we see the world not like that. Okay, so that's like Dhamma. Now the Rambam obviously was a big Chacham. And the Rambam knew it, did understand it about the world. At the same time, he was also influenced by Aristotle and the works of the Greek philosophers, doctors, scientists, whatever it's going to be. 
Okay, so I'm giving this Haktama now. Because this is the parak where the Ramah explains how he understands how this how the solar system works. Now we'll learn it, we'll read it together. It's not the way we understand today. It's not the way we understand today. I'm not gonna say that I'm wrong. I'm just gonna explain these differences. But the Ram wasn't coming from a Khazal. He was coming from uh, the, what people understood at the time. Okay, so that, that's that, the, the, all that he wanted to bring it for Be'etzim is to try and show us a little bit about the God of Hashem. And if you're going to use his model or our model, it doesn't make a difference. It brings to the same point because we see the, the greatness of the world that Hashem created. Why didn't he learn from Hazal? Planets are brought in Hazal and even given names. He knows about too. But he's going to, the explanation of how the planets move is something which I don't think there's a Hazal about. Chazal just know that they talk about that they do, but he's, that's his, he's going to explain. Okay, so he says like this: When he spoke about the Galgalim, which are like these these big circles, uh, spheres in space, of Avavas, he gives them names: Shemayim, Rakia, Zvul, Aravis. Chazal said seven of them. Okay, we know there's seven heavens which are all given names. In, in Shemayim itself, the Gemara talks about Chagiga. Uses these four names. Shemaim, Rakiz, Vulna, Ravis, and adds three more. And it talks about Shemaim, Shemaim, and it talks about um, Shachim. The, the, these, these are four of the seven names Chazal give for the seven uh, levels of Shemaim. It talks about Mechoin, it talks about Moin. Those are the, the seven levels of Shemaim the Chazal talk about. But the Ram talks about nine of them. Vayim Tisha Galgalim. Now, what are these nine Galgalim? Galgal Akarav Mimenu, the one nearest to us is Galgal Hayerech. That's the moon, and that's for sure true. The planet which is nearest to us, it's not really a planet, but the heavenly body which is nearest to us is the moon. That's what the Ram calls the first Galgal, which means the first circle. The second sphere is the one in which there's the planet called Kaychov. Kaychov is what we call Mercury. Venus. Vagalga Ravi Shabai Chama is the sun, Vagalga Chamishi Shabai Madim is Mars, Vagalga Shishi Shabai Kaikh of Tedek, which is Jupiter, Vagalga Sri Shabai Shabtai, which is Saturn. Now, what was the last one? Shabsi? Shabtai is Saturn. Those are the nodes we give them, and Ba'atsam, uh, what the Ramam has said is Ba'atsam correct, except in a different sense. Because if you're talking about distance from Earth, then he's, he's given them in the order we know them to be as well. Obviously, the Moon is closest to Earth, the planet nearest to us is first Mercury, then Venus, and uh, Mars, then Jupiter, and Saturn. He, he's the, exactly what he said. Now, there are further planets than that, which Chazal don't give names to. Uranus, Uranus, Neptune, for example. Chazal don't talk about them. They aren't part of the seven Kaifalechas, so they don't know about them. He says, The other planets, which is named, are in the eighth Galgal, which is obviously the furthest one. But, this, the until now, you can understand the Ram very well. If a Galgal means uh, a, 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 a circle that this planet is traveling around the world, so that's all true. Each one has its own circuit around the world, and there are, each one's in a separate Galgal, in a separate track. Orbit. Its own orbit, right. But now, the, what the Ram says next is something which is one the What's the ninth Galgal? Well, what does he mean by the line? Gagal Shemini Shabayi. What is that? Because there are other planets too. Chazal and talk about seven. He's talking about seven, but the about the other ones. He just mentioned seven. He's gone to the seven, which is the first seven orbits. 
And now what about the other planets? What are the other ones? Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. Uh-huh. No other planets. But uh, so he says all of them were in the eighth world. Now once again, that's... I don't know what he's doing. He's, he mentions the other ones. Well, they kicked it off. The yes, worst, right? Yeah, okay, off. whatever it is. He, the ones which aren't part of the seven of I mentioned, the Amethyst aren't in the same orbit either because they, they're not in the same... One's further than the other one. But he puts them all into the same orbit. But now the Chiddush there, and this is what we need to understand because we don't understand this today. A Galgal tree, he said there's none. So now there's the Galgal which is beyond all of these other ones. It's the furthest one from us. Or Galgal that's what spins, makes everything turn every day from east to west. It goes around everything else. circles everything. And that's, uh, that's what turns, the outside gargle turns, and that's why everything else turns with it. It's Kilo. If you had a lot of little like wheels, cogs, and then the old, everything has place in the cogs, and then the outside one, you turn it around, so then everything inside moves too. Obviously, the different speeds, depending on how many cogs it has. But that's the way they understood the Galgal. And that is that all the planets are moving because there's the outside wheel which is turning and that makes everything, all the little, like all the little wheels inside move as well. Obviously, depending on how each, each one is, is how fast, it, how much it turns. But it's part of the big, the, the external wheel, if you want to call it that. What he calls a Galgal and Chi. We don't know about this today. On the contrary, the way we understand it today is that each planet moves on its own and it's what makes it move is the gravitational pull of all the other planets. And therefore, they're each pulling each other, so to speak. There's a, because there's a sign in the middle, which is much bigger. And then on the other hand, you have all the planets on, on further away, which are pulling it the other direction. So it, it pulls it into an orbit, uh, which pulls them all, they're all in the right place if they pull each other. But it's not that there's something outside pulling all of them, that there's an internal, an internal cross uh, 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 gravitational pull, which is making the things, which is making everything tough. Okay, so we don't really understand what I'm talking about, this outside Galgal, which is turning all the others. But, once again, the point he's trying to show is how vast the system is, which has then bring us to Chach Hashem. Now, therefore he says, He says, the Mass, I'm telling you, that all the planets are in different orbits, and some of them are much further away than other ones. Oh, you look up at the sky, you can't see that. You see planets and you can't, that they don't look further than each other. Why is it like that? He says, Since the Galgalim are all clear, you can see them all together. They don't distort the vision of what's better than them. Now, here, the orbit. Now, here, obviously, of course, what's he talking about? There isn't anything in the orbit. There's a planet which is orbiting, and it's, it's the force which is which is pulling it around. There's nothing there. It's air. So of course it's there. You can see all the planets. There's nothing blocking each other. Which is why he doesn't understand that what I'm talking about, Bagalgalim, he thought there was Kilo, a circle. And the planet's held on like in the circle, and the whole circle turns. And if that's the case, it's like, it's, it's literally not just a, an orbit of a planet, but it's like literally a casing around the world. Of each one's another another casing, and that's the case. And there's a question. If, you, if the world is, is covered by covering number one, how do you see it's number two? And how do you see it's number three? They should, be, they should block each other. And the answer to that is, is that they're all transparent. They're all Zach in the which means I can see through all the various uh, covers to see what's even much further away. Now, once again, obviously, we know it's not like that. There's no, 
the galgal isn't uh, something which has a physical shell, so to speak, which is wrapped around the world. Agav, he's going to, he's going to, what I'm saying this is because Agav himself is soon going to call it, like he says that there's different galgalim around the world, he calls it like, this is Chazal's Lashon, talking about something else, like the, like the layers of an onion. That you have the score of the onion, then you have like each layer is like covers it completely. So you can like take off peel by, like layer by layer of the onion, each one's like a shell which covers all of them underneath it. He understood the galgalim like that as well. But each galgal is like kilo, another layer which covers everything underneath it. But it doesn't, it doesn't fully cover. Isn't its orbit like just like a line, meaning it's a circle? But we understand it. We understand there's nothing there. The space. Not. I mean, I mean, it, even even if whether it's physical or not, but it doesn't it doesn't cover. Let's say let's say it's a ball, right? Earth is a ball, so. It doesn't cover the entire thing. Yes. Its orbit is just one. No, it's a, it's a cover which has on that on that cover there's a planet sitting there and a whole held in it. And as the whole thing turns, so the planet turns wherever it's being held in the in that uh, in that galgal, it's being it's in that wheel, so to speak. So that's where I see it. I see it in. But that's the whole galgal turning. In other words, imagine if there's a oh, layer in space, right, oh, okay. like a, a wrap around the world, and that whole thing turns. Because oh, okay. you can't see it, but it's see-through, except it for the planet is, in it, which is going, and the planet which is like, right, stuck in it, like stuck in, right, in that galgal, right, and now that's, I see the planet moving, but that's in the whole galgal's oh, moving. Oh. But does, does the planet cover that whole area, or it's just like no, one? No, it's one point within that, within that cover. It's a big, clear plastic ball. Right, like you have a big, it. clear mm-hmm. sphere. And underneath it, there's another plastic ball mm-hmm. with a dot on it someplace else, right. and they're all turning in their own directions. Right. Yeah. Oh, they must have planet. seen something, you know? If, if the scientists back then, or the astronomers, they must have seen something. There's all the planets, there's all the planets moving. No, I mean, they must have seen, in order for them to even say that there was like a casing, they must have seen something. You know? It was a hypothesis. It was a hypothesis. Know, what else makes it move? So even though they didn't see anything, they just assumed that... Now, once again, you see here again, the Raman has a Gemara, and the question is, is that what explain the Gemara to me? Because the Gemara says that there's seven Rakim. So if you're just talking about air, like a limitless space, what makes it a different rakia? Well, it separates it. Right. Seven levels. Seven levels. So the is explaining it, that each one is like a separate casing, so to speak, a separate galgal, a separate sphere, which they all move. Okay. And that's what he says, that since they're all clear like glass, and the matter you can see through to the eighth level from the first one. Here gives you his explanation. It's like the covers of the onion. Each one is a lot of these levels within them that like each wrap around what's underneath it. There's nothing in between them. It's just like layer on top of layer. But now his Kiddush is they're moving in opposite directions. Some are going east to west, some are going west to east. So they they they're going in different directions, and if we can see things going across the sky from each other, but depending on which galgal they are. And even the ones that are going, let's say, the same direction, but they're going different angles, right? right. So they don't. Right. It's not like one right behind the other. Right. Now once again, let's compare this to the way that today they explain that's how it works. The way it works today is that each of the planets is circling in the same direction, but at different speeds. At different speeds, and therefore you can see them in different places because the world is turning too. And based on the way the, at the speed each one turns, so therefore they, I see them in different positions to each other. Okay, the next halacha. Well, why do we call these halachas? There's not any.
the consistent explaining to us his understanding of the world, so it could be his that he he's he, something we don't understand that he does, it could be the other way around. He's relying on w- the way that the Greek Astronomers explained the world and we understand differently, but the point is just to bring to an awareness of how great the world is. And when he says, They don't have weight. And then of color. Like we said before that. Ask, why do you see them as blue? When you look up the sky, you see blue. They say that not because they're really blue. Now, this is something which is for sure true. We see this ourselves. Distance always looks blue. Distance always looks blue. But anything which has no color. But if you see it far away enough, it'll look blue. And the best example of that is the water. The sea looks blue too. But if you go near it, you'll see the water has no color. It's colorless. But the distance always gets uh, the, the, the shade of blue. If you're driving, you see the mountains in the distance. The mountains will also look blue. You get near them and you see the mountains aren't blue. They're green, they're brown, whatever they might be, they're not blue. But anything in the distance looks blue. The Zara even talks about why it's like that. That uh, distance uh, is always blue. He says the word tachlis, which means end point, is the same in Hebrew as tachlis, which is blue. And therefore the end point of the distance will always look blue. That's what the Zara says here as well. And that is that it's not really blue. They don't really have any color, which is true. It doesn't have a color. There's no taste, there's no smell, there's no any other sense in space. And he's smiling because these things only, so to speak, take place in the physical world and uh, in space. So that is, there are these galgalim, but they don't have uh, any physical property. Yeah. But, you got, but they've, they've landed on planets, no? No. He's not talking about the planets, he's talking about the gaga. The gaga is what he calls the case, <coughs> the, the sphere, which the planets are in. And now, as he says, Kol ha-galgalim ha-edel ha-makipin nisa-oilam kulei hena-gulim kukadur. He's going to go all around, around spheres. Va-aret s'tliya ve-emtza. And the world is in the middle of all these galgalim. V'yesh l'mitzas min ha-kechav min galgalim k'tayim shem k'fuyim bohem. There are those planets which have their own small galgalim, which means their moons, which circle the planets. So they have their own like kind of like casing around it, which is where its moon is going. If we talk about Saturn as moons or Mars as moons, whatever it is, it means that they galgalim around that planet. And it says correctly, it's not circling us; it's circling itself. This is like our moon circles us and doesn't circle the solar system. So same thing, other planets have their moons too, which means the separate parts which is, has its own uh, orbits around that particular planet. Now, So it comes out that the amount of Galgalim in total is 18. Those are Makif for the whole world. They don't go around the Kalaalim, it's the, small, the smaller ones, which are 8. Because you can see by the position of the different stars and how the stars move. So obviously he understood that again, if things move in a galga, and it's like it's 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 circle which is making it move. So I see different stars moving differently. So I'll put them into the different different galgalim because I can see each one's skewed on a different track. And if you came out there, if you're going to check um, the tier, which means the direction the stars move in, 
and the position of the distance. So it'll tell me how many different tracks of stars there are. Now, once again, this is something which, if you're going to put the stars into categories and come with 18, this is, this is something very similar to what Aristotle did. He decided he's going to count the stars, and he went and, he went and looked, and he, he grouped them into whatever categories he grouped them into, and decided how many there are. We know now that he was hopelessly wrong. There were millions of stars who, who was nowhere you could see with the human eye, but we know with telescopes we can see them. And, it's, and the galaxies and this Milky Ways and the solar systems, which are way, way, way beyond. And therefore, once again, Dharma is going to kind of minimize it to 18 groups of stars. So we can see, it sounds like that's, he's, he's coming from the information at the time. Which is like we said, if that's okay, it's not Chazal telling us, this is Rocha Kodesh, this is what Hashem told Moshe Messina, he's telling us this the, the Greeks, they study this and tell you what they said. In which case, we aren't bound by the facts, but it's uh, nevertheless, that he that that's what he understood the way the world works. And uh, like we said, that's how he explains the system. Okay, we're going to talk about tonight. Now, we only spoke about the, system, the first part, which means his idea that uh, each planet's in its casing, in its sphere, in its galgal, and all the galgals work are like circles around each other. What the fascinating point is, as we see tomorrow, Be'ez Hashem, is how, how does it move? What do you call the galgal atchi? The outside galgal, which, the big one, which as it turns, it makes all the little ones turn. How does it happen? That's what this is the next paradox. We'll see tomorrow how the, the biggest circle, so to speak, is Mechaber or the other one. Once again, that's his understanding, which it gets in the Chachma Yavan. That's not the way that we understand the world today. How come Hashem 